This is a Triple J podcast. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. Welcome to the Hack Podcast. It is that time of year again. The budget released, everyone going crazy, the media wall-to-wall coverage. And maybe you're like, I don't know anything about this. I don't want to know anything about this. Maybe you're thinking, I'll just wait till Hack. They can tell me what I need to know. We can. That is our job. We do have a special budget edition of Hack for you, breaking down the big announcements. Everyone is always asking, are you a winner or a loser? And I'm wondering what young Australians think if they think this budget is a winner or a loser. Hack has been speaking to some of you about the budget. Here's what you've had to say. It's frustrating being a middle income owner who's not wealthy enough to go buy a house, but I'm not poor enough that I get rental assistance and other assistance from the government. I'm stuck in an endless paycheck to paycheck rut for the rest of my life. I'm on a single income, employed in a low paid female dominated sector, and the government has done really very little for me. I'm not surprised, but I had hoped for more. And I really was hoping to see something to fix the housing crisis, the rental crisis. Yeah, well, I want to see cash on rent increase. The slight increase to job seeker, I think it could have gone a lot further, as well as the lack of consideration about relief for university students and rising hex debts. It is beyond disappointing to see yet again the mental health of Australians be disregarded by the government. I guess I'd say this budget feels pretty moderate and restrained. I think a lot of young people are going to be pretty angry that it seems like they were left out of the cost of living relief packages, especially the GP visit incentives. Overall, though, I think it's pretty fair and considered. Hack on Triple J. Yeah, some different views there, as you can hear. A lot of young Australians thinking, where's the support? I'm struggling. The government is not doing enough to help me. Others going, no, this is the best budget in years. They're doing what they can. Got a message through now. Someone says, it's a great budget. What do you think? Message in 0439757555. Have you managed to get into all the detail? Do you know exactly what has been announced? It is confusing because it's a huge document. Some of the terminology can be pretty tricky to understand as well. If you have missed all the coverage or you've been waiting for a big recap, there is quite a bit to get through. Shalala Madora takes a look. Okay, so I don't need to tell you how tight things are at the moment. You know, because you tell us. An easing cost of living for our most vulnerable people was the centrepiece of this year's budget, handed down by Treasurer Jim Chalmers last night. What we've been able to do on the foundations of a much more responsible, much stronger budget is to provide help for people who are doing it tough at the same time as we invest in the future. The first element was a $40 a fortnight increase to payments like Youth Allowance and JobSeeker. Here's PM Anthony Albanese. The truth is we've got the balance right. We understand that people are under pressure, uh, but we needed to make sure that it was a responsible budget. Uh, So this $40 increase is uh, something that will make a difference to people. But the head of the Australian Council of Social Services, Cassandra Goldie, says $40 a fortnight is inadequate. We didn't get what we needed in this budget. Uh, $2.00. 86 per day extra is not going to help people in the way that is needed. And I think everybody in this parliament knows that. The government's also increasing rent assistance by 15%. So if you're in a share house, you'll get an extra 16 bucks a fortnight. 
Greens leader Adam Bant wasn't impressed. Those lucky enough to get rent assistance might get about a dollar a day. Rents in capital cities have been growing ten times faster than that. I think Labor just doesn't understand how severe the rental and housing crisis is. There's extra money for single parents and to help low-income people pay to keep the lights on through energy payments. The other big thing in the budget is a massive shake-up of the Medicare system. The government is tripling the incentive it gives to doctors to bulk bill concession card holders. So pensioners, people on welfare payments and children. It's a welcome record investment in primary care. The Australian Medical Association says they didn't see it coming, but frickin' love it. More patients will be able to access their GP uh, and it's targeted support and will make a real difference, especially in rural and regional areas where the incentive is even bigger. But if you're hoping for a bit of cost relief to see a psychologist, then this budget didn't have much for you. There was no new money for increasing mental health services or for making existing services cheaper. And if you're a uni student or paying off a student loan, nothing at all in the budget for you because a review into universities is still underway. In the climate change space, there's extra money for big emitters to bring down their emissions as part of the so-called safeguard mechanism and a new $2 billion fund to make Australia a global leader in clean hydrogen. Renewable energy, wow, what an incredible opportunity, right? It's the way of the future. There's jobs there, there's money there, there's income there. The hydrogen play that we're imagining is this giant export play, and that's not decarbonising Australia. It's not helping Australians lower their energy bills. The backdrop of all of this spending is inflation. If you pump too much money into the economy, inflation goes up. As opposition leader Peter Dutton says, spend too much and the Reserve Bank could put up interest rates. The government is putting upward pressure on inflation, which is going to make it harder for the Reserve Bank. But the high cost of stuff through inflation helped contribute to this surprise announcement. We are producing the first projected surplus in 15 years. A surplus is when you've got more cash than you spend. And right now we're expecting to bank an extra $4 billion. We'll have less debt and less interest costs, all while funding the services and programs that our predecessors were going to let expire. Delivering help to people in need and investing in the drivers of our future prosperity. You're listening to Hack on Triple J. Shalala Matora with that update. Big week for Shalala. All the other political reporters working their way through these budget documents. A lot of people have opinions on this one. Someone on the text line. I'm a middle-income earner, work hard, live rurally. Literally nothing is going to benefit us in this budget. Cost of living is becoming ridiculous, yet we aren't eligible for any electricity subsidies or support for increased cost of living. Someone else. Hi, Dave. Budget was disappointing. Increases in payments not enough. How do they choose which payments to increase? What about the disability pension, someone said? Another person says it feels like a budget to appease as many as possible, but if you look hard enough at it, it offends as many. Tightrope stuff. That one was from Mortimer. And another person says Adam Bant's Greens think they haven't spent enough. Dutton's Conservatives think they've spent too much. Somewhere in the middle is probably the right place to be. I'd say it is a good fair budget. That was from Greg. Look, we did ask to speak with the Prime Minister and the Treasurer. They weren't available to speak with Hack today, but we do have Social Services Minister Amanda Rishworth with us now. Minister, welcome to Hack. Great to be with you. 
Let's start with some of those changes to welfare payments. Job Seeker, Youth Allowance, Oz Study payments are going to be lifted by 40 bucks per fortnight across the board. Minister, young Australians who are already skipping meals, couch surfing, scraping by, realistically, do you reckon less than $3 a day more is actually going to make a significant difference? Well, look, obviously it is tough to live on income support and what our budget has done is lifted the rates um, for uh, eligible income support payments to support uh, those on, whether they're uh, student payments or on JobSeeker. But it's not all we've done in the budget. We've obviously increased rent assistance, Commonwealth rent assistance, along with uh, support for energy bills, more access to a GP for bulk billing and, of course, cheaper medicines. So there's a range of different measures here that put together do support uh, young Australians and Australians across the board with cost of living issues. Okay, I understand that it is a package of measures and, you know, there are different payments that people might be receiving. We've actually been speaking with a student, Sam, who has been looking at all the additional payments that they would be getting and Sam said the increases to welfare payments are so modest that they would take Sam back to where they were three months ago. They don't do anything to protect Sam against inflation. Sam says the increase in rent assistance barely covers the rent increase I received this year. If I lose my room, I'm not going to be able to find another one and we'll be homeless. What do you say to Sam, Minister? Well, look, this payment uh, on the base rate is in addition to the inflation adjustments that have already happened. And of course, this budget measure will uh, aim, if we get the legislation through the parliament, to start on the 20th uh, of September. That day is also the day where the twice a year inflation uh, adjustment is made. So that's an increase as well. So there'll be, in addition to the uh, $40, there'll also be an adjustment for inflation as there was in March. This but also people are saying it's not enough that they're still going to be living below the poverty line. Well, look, obviously we've got to do targeted responsible measures. Um, there hasn't uh, been an increase in Commonwealth rent assistance for 30 years, uh, more than the inflation uh, adjustment. So uh, this base rate adjustment is more than uh, just the inflation. It is an adjustment to the maximum rate when it comes to Commonwealth rent assistance, the base rate when it comes to student payments. But the indexation will continue to apply as well. So this is above and beyond that. But do you see how young Australians might be a little confused or even annoyed seeing the government spruik a budget surplus when the most vulnerable Australians are being offered so little? Well, look, um, the budget surplus is there to also pay down debt. Um, we have significant debt uh, in this country. And what we've tried to do with this budget is carefully calibrate it so that we're not leaving future generations with a debt that they've got to pay back, but at the same time providing support to those most vulnerable and those in need. But they've so got so much of their own debt at the moment. That's the issue, Minister. Well, well uh, inflation hurts people on the lowest income. And, and so what we've tried to calibrate here is relief for those that need it the most, at the same time not adding to inflation and not adding uh, uh, significantly uh, to long-term debt. So paying down debt has been an important part of this, providing cost of living relief to those that need it the most, but also looking to the future. Investments in uh, 
best free fee TAFE places where we know already there's been a big take-up of under-25s taking advantage of fee-free TAFE, more university placements. But if we're uh, talking about getting by on a day-to-day basis, I, I do understand you're talking about inflation and not wanting to add to that, but then what about the stage three tax cuts, which economists say are inflationary? You're pushing ahead with those. Why is that? Well, that, they haven't come in yet. This is the, the budget now in front of us. Um, and we are dealing with the inflation uh, challenge we have right now. It is about finding a carefully calibrated balance. It is about investments for the future because people do want to know that we're investing in things like hydrogen, green hydrogen uh, production, which provides jobs, but also uh, provides us an opportunity to deal with climate change. So this budget is a about calibrating today, uh, tomorrow, but of course also into the future. So it, it is a, a lot of balls to, to juggle, but we feel we've got the balance right. Okay. I, if you feel you've got the balance right, because there are other young Australians who are not receiving any Commonwealth support and they are really concerned that they feel like they're not getting anything. Like we've, we've got someone here who says, I'm not rich enough to own a house. I'm not poor enough to get rental assistance, but I'm stuck in an endless paycheck to paycheck for the rest of my life. What is that person supposed to do? And how are we going to address this generation potentially being the first generation to be worse off than their parents? Look, that's something that really does focus my mind as well as the government about how do we ensure there's better living standards. And part of that is about better training, better job creation, higher paid jobs and better wages. Um, And so you saw our government support a decent increase to the minimum wage. Uh, You've seen our uh, changes to industrial relations, which allows low paid workers to have better bargaining rights and better opportunity for women's uh, pay equity. Um, So it is about wages because, of course, what we ultimately want, we want to support people that rely on the safety net But ultimately, we want to train people and support people and create high-paying jobs. And that is about what the future is all about. Okay, you're listening to Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with Social Services Minister Amanda Rishworth about the budget. And we've got a lot of messages coming through on this one. Someone says, I'm a middle-income earner. I do think it is a good budget. I'm not going to get anything, but I don't think I need anything. Low-income earners do. Somebody else says the rent assistance doesn't solve the root cause of the issue. It basically just ensures high rents continue. Another person says it's not about living off supports. It's the young families that are working full-time get slogged by your government in taxes and little to nothing in return. Minister, it does sound like the message to young Australians from the government right now is you're just going to have to get by. You're just going to have to deal with it. And I'm wondering, is there ever going to be targeted support specifically for young Australians? Well, I guess it depends what you're talking about support. You're talking about someone that is not on Commonwealth benefits, but may be able to be receiving the bulk billing, uh, but more bulk billing now as a result of our changes, might be getting cheaper medicines as a result of our changes. Or they may May, not be receiving that. They may not, but... um, 
uh, what we are doing is investing in support now and investing in a growing economy for the future that is inclusive and supports people. That is the type of economy that we are working towards. It's not just about government support. It is about our industrial relations system. It is about our education system. It's about all of these things. I guess, Minister, the hard thing here is that the government seems to be asking young people to be the tools to curb inflation, but they're young people at the heart of it. They're just trying to get by. They're trying to start their lives. They're often working multiple jobs and they cannot get ahead. Like we've got students, for instance, with indexation. They now owe more than they did when they finished studying. Like how is that not leaving anyone behind as Labor promised? Well, of course, uh, you don't have to pay back your hex until you reach a certain threshold. Um, and I'm one of the MPs that did pay hex and, and uh, was, uh, you know, did pay uh, for my education. I acknowledge that it's not as much as it is today. But people don't um, want but, to be seeing it climbing and it does but, affect other things. If they want to apply for a loan, if they want to get uh, support elsewhere, banks are looking at this debt that they owe. It's still a debt. If you're looking at, for example, I mean, I, I do reject your assumption that uh, there isn't anything in this budget for young people. Fee-free TAFE places, particularly we've seen an, uh, quite a significant take-up already of those under 25 do benefit from that. They benefit from not having to pay fees for their TAFE and they benefit from the jobs that they can get. And if we can get wages moving and get real wages moving, um, then that has an impact too. I'm going to have to leave it there. Social Services Minister Amanda Rishworth, very much appreciate you coming on Hack. Thank you. We've got so many messages coming through. Some people say, if you feel like you've got the balance right, you're way out of touch. That was one person on the text line. Another person saying, I'm sick of hearing specially calibrated, carefully calibrated, Amanda says, those interview responses. Another person, I'm a teacher. There's nothing in the budget to keep us in our job and happy. Someone else, the GP bulk billing incentive only helps patients at practices that can afford to bulk bill in the first place. It doesn't help your average person who who's already paying out of pocket to see their GP. And someone else says they're not happy with Australia at all and the state of the economy, the state of the budget, and they want to leave. Well, I guess... Hack. It is a betrayal of renters, of job seekers, of people who are doing it tough. And what we've tried to do is do as much as we can without blowing the budget. Because what can be more important as a government than making sure the people in your communities have a safe place to live and can feed themselves three times a day? On Triple J... Yeah, already, we've had a breakdown of what's been announced. We've had the government explaining their decisions. It's time now to hear a bit of analysis of all of this. Is it a good budget? Did the government do the best it could or has the government missed an opportunity here? Keep sending your messages through 0439 757 You can call in as well, 1300 055536. I do have two experts with me now who'll be able to sort through some detail here. They are economists, so I'm guessing that they love the budget. Firstly, Eliza Littleton from the Australia Institute Centre for Future Work. Hey, Eliza, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. How are we feeling on the, the day after the budget released? Are you pretty exhausted or are you just powering on? <laughs> Definitely a bit tired, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> fueled by uh, passion and uh, economic analysis. Oh, I can imagine. And the best of us are, that's right. And we've got Joey Maloney as well from the Grattan Institute. G'day, Joey. How are you doing? 
Good, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. You don't reckon um, the budget is the Super Bowl for losers, as our drive program described it earlier? <laughs> I mean, I, can, I did see someone tweet that um, stop calling them budget losers, they're called economists. Oh, that is rough. That is yeah. rough. No, it's actually, it's, it's so important, the budget, obviously. And we can tell that people want to talk about it. Our text line's exploding right now. There is a lot in there. You two just heard the minister as well. Eliza, I might start with you. Was the budget what you were expecting as an economist? Uh, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> um, I think that the government did uh, leak a lot of the, the measures that they were introducing, particularly under the cost of living uh, side of the budget. Uh, and so we knew a lot about what was going to be in there. They were also uh, balancing that out with a narrative that was lowering expectations about what could be done because of all of our fiscal constraint and the revenue constraint on our budget um, and, as a, and, and, and the fact that they wanted to factor in uh, the inflationary environment and therefore couldn't kind of increase spending and, and fix structural problems in our economy uh, in this budget. So, yes, I think this is what we were expecting, but of course it is still disappointing. Someone on the text line, fee-free TAFE places will not keep a roof over my head. That's someone on the text line. Another person, anyone thinking about how the budget benefits them today is taking a narrow view. It'll take a few years to get the economy under control and we have to be thinking long-term. Joey, what about you? Do you think the government's been able to strike the right balance here, as the minister was just saying? I think close to. I understand the constraint that the government is facing. The surplus is mostly the product of windfall gains that will be temporary and, and will, will go away in the future, and our structural budget challenge is still with us. And I think one of the things I appreciate about, appreciated about this budget is that it pointed to real problems. It, for example, it pointed to the inadequacy of our welfare system, and it said we are going to do permanent one-off, incre permanent increases to the base rates of a number of payments. So that's a real solution to a real problem. You know, it's not the complete solution. It's only a down payment, but it's part of the way there. And I think that's a bit refreshing because that's been somewhat absent from our politics for a while. I think that the real missed opportunity here, which could have really got the balance right, is a trimming of the stage three tax cuts. If, we, if they'd been trimmed back, that could have saved probably around $8 billion a year. Now, that money could have made really substantial increases to the income support payments of the most disadvantaged among us without any inflationary impact because... Um, you're increasing taxes to increase spending somewhere else. That's probably the missed opportunity where I think the balance would have been struck perfectly. Okay, so the Grattan Institute, we've heard some economists uh, talk about, you know, trimming down those stage three tax cuts, as you just said, Joey. Eliza, is that where you sit on this or do you think they should go all together? Because we're talking about these tax cuts for higher income earners that weren't in this budget, but they will come into effect ne next year. They're really controversial. The minister careful to say they're not for this budget, we're just focusing on this budget. What do you think? Do you think the government's trying to deflect a bit of attention here? Absolutely. And I feel like one of the things that has highlighted this deflecting, um, you know, uh, deflecting of this narrative around the stage three is that they've, you know, they've kind of pitted these vulnerable groups against each other, like, you know, uh, people on JobSeeker over the, uh, over the age of 55 who will receive a, a bigger rate 
bigger increase in their rate compared to the rest of um, the people receiving job seeker who only receive an additional $40 a fortnight. We're getting really stuck in the weeds here and I think we really need to zoom back out um, and look at why we can't or why they say we can't afford to um, significantly increase and make uh, significantly increase our income support payments and raise them in line with the poverty poverty line. Um, And I think you know, the glaringly obvious obvious reason is that we need some really big tax reforms and starting with the state street tax reforms, it would absolutely, I think, be a good idea to um, abolish them. They are worth, in their first year, uh, $20 billion. And for context, um, the government's cost of living package was just under $15 billion. So they're spending a lot less uh, on cost of living measures than, than um, the stage three tax cuts will cost in their first year. Uh, so, you know, uh, that is that is the problem that we need to face if we want to address issues around the adequacy of our welfare system in general, uh, then we really need to turn to, to, to tax and we need to start, um, you know, uh, taxing gas companies more uh, and um, we need to be bolder about the way that we reform our tax system as it comes to when it comes to the resource sector as well, which is unfortunately what we didn't see in this budget too. We've got a question here. Uh, it's a question without notice, and I'm um, sorry for just throwing it at you, but someone on the text line says, hey, if the cost of living is going up and we are saying increase wages, doesn't it just put you in the same position and just moves the goalposts back? That was from Lucas. Eliza, is that what it means? So, you know, it's a complicated thing. Of course, um, if inflation continues to rise, then uh, any wage growth does kind of get eaten by that. Uh, But we really need to think about what is driving inflation in this case. And it's not wage growth. It is profits. So the Centre for Future Work released some um, work that said that... uh, in kind of um, the recent inflationary crisis we've had, uh, profits accounted for 69% of the driving of inflation. So, you know, uh, workers are creating more goods and services in the economy um, with the same level of inputs. They're making more money for businesses. And instead of receiving higher wages for, uh, for this additional for making things that are creating more additional income. Um, businesses are pocketing that, pocketing that, and that's what's driving inflation and the price rises. So we really need to focus on the issue of, of reigning in profits when, when it comes to um, trying to address inflation uh, in our current environment. You're listening to Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with economists Eliza Littleton and Joey Maloney about the budget, what we've seen announced. I'm keen to hear from you too. A lot of people on the text line sending in messages. Someone says, hilarious, they're aiming to get a surplus, uh, you know, and, you know, they pay off and pay off debt while we're still facing the difficulties of the pandemic. It's just too early to start mopping up. That one was from Josh. Joey, housing is another big issue. You're a bit of a specialist in housing, know a lot about this area. There wasn't a whole bunch of support there. There's some rental support, but it doesn't seem like it's nearly enough to have an impact. What should we be seeing? Yeah, there was a little bit in housing on the budget. Um, The increase in Commonwealth rent assistance is a very good thing. Now, it's a very modest increase. It's only 15%. Grattan's previously called for a 40% increase at minimum. Um, now, CRA is a great payment, Commonwealth Rent Assistance, sorry, because what it does is it puts money directly into the pockets of 
vulnerable income support recipients in the private rental market. Now, if you think when you've got a tight private rental market like you do right now, and you've got a low vacancy rate, then it's the poorest among us who are most at risk of falling out of the bottom and most at risk of homelessness. So an increase in CRA to help those uh, vulnerable uh, private renters make ends meet is a very good thing, but it's not enough. What about, Joey, rent caps? Because we've been hearing a lot about those. People have been asking us about it. We've obviously heard the Greens talking about it. Is that a realistic option? I can understand the intuitive temptation towards freezing rents. If you look at the fundamental problem of rents are rising too quickly, and it's natural to think, what if we just freeze them in place and stop that happening? The problem that you have is, one of the things that I've seen reported on so far is, a lot of people who moved into smaller households during COVID, when they wanted more space to themselves, signed up to these leases that are now rolling over and now they're facing big rent increases and they're moving back into bigger households. Now that situation kind of sucks. Ideally we'd have a housing market that gave people the housing that they wanted at affordable prices, but the reality is that movement back into bigger households lifts the vacancy rate and will put downward pressure on rents. Now, if you've got a place that you like and you're settled and that rent is then frozen in place, that's great. But if you have to move and the vacancy rate is really low and there's not a flow of housing to move into, a rent freeze can be a really bad thing for you. So if you experienced a relationship breakdown and you need, you need to find somewhere new to live and there's just not anything available, that's a problem. So a rent freeze would have some winners but a few big losers as well. Okay, very, very interesting stuff indeed. Huge, huge day for you both. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us some insight though because we do need experts who can crunch the numbers. Eliza Littleton, thank you. You go get some rest. Hopefully you've got a rest plan tonight, surely, Eliza. <laughs> One more event tonight, but then I'll go home. <laughs> <laughs> and you're done. And Joey Maloney, huge thanks to you as well. Really appreciate you coming on Hack. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Some messages coming through. Someone says the biggest win for young people in this budget is banning vapes. That alone is going to help secure the future health of young people. That was from Luke in Preston. Another person says it's easy to tell us to think long term and call us narrow minded when you can afford to eat every day. Oh, that's from another person. Someone else. The question, what's in it for me is entitled and selfish. There are always winners and losers and it's a compromise. The question is whether the compromise is right. That was from Josh in Fitzroy. Big thanks again to all of our guests, the Social Services Minister, as well as economists, Eliza Littleton and Joey Maloney. That is all we've got time for on the Hack Podcast for now. I'll catch you next time. Hack on Triple J.